when what is right and true plays itself out in real time as right and true. See, justice takes over a society when individuals walk humbly with their God and they love mercy and they do justice, as Micah the prophet, Micah 6, 8 says. But we need to make sure we love what God loves. Justice is a word you've probably heard a lot lately. I'm sure you, like everyone else, want the world to be a more just and peaceful place. But how do we get there? How do you help make that happen? Well, that's part of what Pastor Daniel unpacks for you today. You'll discover that it begins with caring about the things that God cares about. When you let his heart for people transform yours, you'll start to see justice worked out in lots of different ways. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 61 as he continues his message called Great News. This is after Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He did not give in to that temptation. And then it says he entered into where he was from and he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And it was the time for the reading. Visiting rabbis and teachers could stand up and Jesus said that they hand him the scroll of Isaiah and it says he found where this was. And then he begins to read Isaiah 61 but he stops after to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He doesn't finish the verses. He closes, sits down. Everyone stares at him. They're like, what? Because remember, in that culture, you couldn't just read anywhere. They were following almost like a liturgy of reading. So Jesus went out of order. Everyone's looking at him. He said, today the scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> Bam. Everyone who's sitting there just like, mind blown. Why? Because this is about Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm Messiah. The spirit of the true and living God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And then this whole long list of things that Jesus has come to do. To preach good tidings to the poor. That good tidings is good news. It's the idea of the gospel. To preach it to the poor. To those who are on the margins, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Those whose hearts have been broken, he's going to bring healing. He's going to bind up those broken hearts. He's going to proclaim liberty to the captives. Those who are imprisoned, whether literally or spiritually, he's going to proclaim liberty to them. The opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then, if it keeps going, it says, and the day of vengeance from our God. They might say, why did Jesus stop after to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord? The answer is simple. Jesus' work comes in two advents, two comings. In the first coming, Jesus is coming to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim grace. But when Jesus returns again, that will be the day of vengeance of our God where God will bring to justice all that has been wrong. So we see the ministry of Jesus takes place in two advents. That's why he stopped in the middle of these verses. And that's probably why they got caught. They were like, 
Why did he stop right there? But notice, as it goes on, I want to comfort all who mourn. I want to console those who mourn in Zion. I want to give them, where there's ashes, I want to give them beauty. Where there's mourning, I'm going to give them the oil of joy. Although they have a spirit of heaviness, I'm going to give them the garment of praise that they may be called trees of righteousness. Now listen, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible calls it that you're born again, that you are reborn spiritually, that although you were spiritually dead, because of your faith and trust in Jesus, now you get made alive again. Now, if you're not a believer here today, I'm excited for you to respond that you might be made alive again in a way unlike you've ever been alive before. True life, the abundant life that leads to everlasting and eternal life. But for those of us who have already received Jesus, Jesus invites us to partner with him in this work that he's doing. This, as he is proclaiming the good news to the poor, as he's comforting those who mourn, as he is taking a spirit of heaviness away and he's giving a spirit of praise. And the way that we do that is through self-sacrificial service in God's kingdom. Nobody ever just ends up a missionary. Missionaries are built. Nobody ends up a pastor. They're built. Nobody ends up a mighty man or woman of God. It's something that you build every single day. And I believe that God wants to build up all of us. I mean, I've never once met a believer who didn't say, I want God to mightily use my life. But you know what happens for many of us? We want that, but we actually never want to do the work to be in a place that God can use your life. It's like you have to take a step of faith to do it. And I believe that deep down, when the still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us, you want to say, I want my life to mightily impact people for God's kingdom. At our VBS here on our Vancouver campus, my two oldest, Obadiah and Maranatha, both served. And I'll never forget, so Obadiah was doing like the little kids, the mini VBS and I remember I saw Obadiah on Monday morning. I said, Obadiah, are you excited about VBS? He's like, well, I don't know if I'm excited. I don't really know what I got myself into. <laughs> Classic. It's like totally my boy, you know? He's like thinking about it. He's like, I'm not really sure that I don't know what I'm doing. But... And so sure enough, he, he didn't know what he signed up for. But sure enough, he's playing in the mini VBS. And by Friday, he was like, Dad, I totally want to serve in the nursery after this is over. Because... He took a step of faith, and our culture says, serve me, and Jesus says, you're more blessed to give than receive. My daughter, Maranatha, she loves to worship. She loves to sing. You know, she's just such an active, amazing young woman, and she got invited to be on the worship team for VBS. And literally, like, after the week's over, she's like, Dad, I need to talk to Pastor Jason. I want to get on the worship team at Crossroads, you know? And now she's like, I want to take piano lessons, I want to take voice lessons, and you know, because she realized she's like, it's so much more, it's fun to worship, it's another thing to help others worship. See, my kids learned by serving the very things that Jesus says in his word. And I believe that God wants all of us to learn these things. I believe that God wants each one of us to step on out. Step in. Take the step of faith. 
Because this is what Jesus invites us all into. Now, what I love about this is when you hear an encouragement to like connect and serve, for many of us, like, well, listen, that's great and all, but like, what good am I? You don't know where I've been. Look at what it says next, verse four of Isaiah 61. It says, then they shall rebuild the old ruins and they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers, verse five, shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. There in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. My friends, what we learn here is that it's comeback time. See, the children of Israel here, the idea is that it's they're coming back after the Babylonian exile, the greatest calamity in the history of Israel. And it says, but they shall rebuild the old ruins and they will raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. Not only that, it says that strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. This isn't speaking about slavery. This is speaking about they've been so blessed that now they have employees. The other nations are now coming to them to work in their fields to help them with all that God's doing. And I think for many of us, when we think about connecting and serving, maybe along the way you tried to serve and it didn't go well and you got hurt. Or maybe you feel like your life has been such a train wreck. What do you have to give? And what we learn here is that when God anoints and empowers us by his spirit, even if we have a bad track record, God does a comeback restoration type of a work. And what I have learned in my life is that when somebody re-engages after whatever it is that's gone on and they begin to serve, that now because of the experiences that they've had, God can leverage those experiences because it humbles us. It helps us to be more reliant on the Lord, less puffed up and proud, all these things. And all of a sudden now God can use you in greater ways because you're not thinking, of course God's gonna use me because I got it all going on. But now all of a sudden, you start to realize God's got great power and he can use anybody. I believe that it's your comeback time today. I believe it's time for you to be the comeback player of the year. I believe that God's plan is to leverage whatever happened and he wants to strengthen you through what happened or what never, you never stepped in because you have all this stuff you're working through and you will find the healing that God wants to give you in the midst of serving others. And that happens for many, many people, doesn't it? I like to say it this way. The church is a hospital and the church is an army. The idea is we all showed up a little mangled, right? What's also interesting is that if you hang in the hospital long enough, you have a tendency to get mangled all over again because there's a lot of sickness in the church, right? But in the hospital, God is the great physician and we're all patients and we're all doctors, See, no one's perfectly well except for Jesus, so we help one another as we go. But it's not just a hospital, it's also an army. See, Jesus isn't interested in just doing triage for life. At some point, you get well enough, and now there's a battle that's going on in the world, and not a battle with guns, but a battle for the souls of people, and God wants all of us to be engaged in that work.
So I think it's comeback time for some of us. I think today's the day you're gonna finally trust God with your history so that you can step in to what God has for you. And now how I know this, look at what it says in verse six. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord and they shall call you the servants of God. See, when God called the children of Israel all the way back in Sinai, he said, you're going to be all priests, a kingdom of priests. And a priest's job was to stand before people in the name of God and stand before God in the name of people. It was a mediatorial role, the role of a mediator to be able to present God into the world to people and also to stand before God in the name of other people interceding for them. That's the role of a priest. Now, what's amazing is in Peter's writings, he says that the church is a kingdom of priests. What it means is all of us, not just some guy with a backwards collar. And you notice I don't wear those bad boys. <laughs> Praise God. That would be hard to talk with that thing all on there. Man, I'm knocking him a little bit. But here, here's my collar. Here you go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like we're all designed in Christ, recreated in Christ to mediate God to people and people to God. Jesus is the mediator, but he lets us partner with him in that mediatorial role. And they shall call you the servants of our God. How can we be servants of God if we're not servants of God? See, it's comeback time. God wants to usher all of us back in to where we're supposed to be. Notice in verse seven, instead of the shame, you shall have double honor. That speaks of the blessings of the firstborn who got double honor, the double portion of the inheritance. But the double portion of the inheritance also comes with twice the responsibility because the firstborn was designed to be the new head of the family. See, if you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the spirit of the living God is in you. You have received that double honor, but with such an honor of being people who can contain the spirit of God in these earthen vessels, there's a responsibility now, you don't hear this a lot in church because, you know, if you read the church growth books, they say you need to make a low commitment for a low commitment culture. But guess what? You ain't never going to get that here at Crossroads. You know why? Because God's not content with your church attendance and a little financial generosity. God wants your whole life. And God wants your whole life to be leveraged to the hilt for the blessings of humanity and God's own glory. And that's never going to happen kind of messing around with it. It's never going to happen. So brothers and sisters, it's comeback time. See, what I've learned is that all the brokenness in my life, Jesus has healed, but he oftentimes works that stuff out in the midst of the journey, in the midst of the journey of marriage, in the midst of the journey of being a parent, in the midst of the journey of being a pastor, serving the Lord. Whatever your details are, it's in the midst of the journey, all the experiences you have. Now, all of a sudden, he begins to work these things out. Now, notice what it says in verse eight. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known amongst the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. My friends, God wants us to love what God loves. Notice these words here. It says, for I, the Lord, love justice, and I 
hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth and will make an everlasting covenant with them. See, God loves justice. Now, the idea here is that God wants us to value the things that he values. When we love what God loves, we begin to act in the same ways that God would act because love is the great motivating factor on how we live our lives. See, the idea here is when it says, I hate robbery for burnt offerings, you realize that burnt offerings was an act of worship to God in that culture, but people were using injustice. They were being dishonest in their business dealings. They were doing all these things so they could worship God. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, in one way, their life was not integrated in their faith. They were like, well, I want to worship over here. It doesn't matter if I'm a little shady over here. And what God is interested in is he's like, no, 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 I love justice and I actually hate it when you're the hypocrite. When you're like, oh, I'll come here to worship, but really my life's not living that way at all. And isn't that our problem today? That we have a life that is not integrated. We don't have a holistic Jesus spirituality, but we have a compartmentalized one where it's like, you can go home tonight and you can go on your computer and you can involve yourself in all sorts of garbage and then tomorrow morning you're like sharing a two-minute message. But you realize that the world has a, almost no tolerance for hypocrisy. That's why whenever there's a religious leader who doesn't follow through on their message, they go nuts, right? Well, you, you know why our culture has a low tolerance for hypocrisy? You know why it is, right? Because all of us hate seeing our sin when other people commit it. The problem with humanity is it's so easy to be hypocritical, right? It's so easy to say one thing and do another thing. It's, it's so easy to say, I love God, and to rip somebody off and then still worship. It's easy to do that. It happens all the time. But when we love what God loves, all of a sudden now we have the same motivation that God has and we live totally different. Do you love what God loves? See, Jesus was the most aggressive with the Pharisees and the scribes because their hypocrisy, in the name of God, they were pushing people away from God. Listen to what he says in Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, it's so much easier if you believe in tithing to tithe everything but neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. He's saying, you should have done those while still doing the other things. He's not saying, well, do those instead of the other things, right? He's saying, it's good to remember that all that you have comes from God and so you honor God with your first fruits. You should do that, but don't do that at the expense of the weightier matters of the law. And if Jesus said that the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all, how do we not grab hold of that and say, well, I probably need to serve? But when you love what God loves, see, God loves justice. See, justice is when the things are working the way they're supposed to be working. See, justice is when what is right and true plays itself out in real time as right and true. See, justice takes over a society when individuals walk humbly with their God and they love mercy and they do justice. 
as Micah the prophet, Micah 6, 8 says. But we need to make sure we love what God loves and we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to make the mistake of having a form of this stuff without having it be holistically integrated. See, notice when this happens, I'll direct their work in truth. God's saying, he's like, look, when you take that step of faith, then I will direct your work in truth and I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. Their descendants shall be known amongst the Gentiles, their offspring amongst the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. See, this is about witness in the world. See, that's why for us here at Crossroads, we love to say it, that because Jesus is real, what? We're a family of faith fully engaged, which is why I'm trying to get it. We want all to connect and serve. Doing what? transforming our community and our world. Because when we, as a family of faith, are all involved, are all at work, all of a sudden God is doing a transformational work in us and then we become transformational agents in the world, which is exactly what it's talking about right here. All this stuff is just biblical reality. Because all of a sudden when this is happening and God is directing our works in truth and we're living in the everlasting covenant of who Jesus is, now all of a sudden everyone's gonna be like, well, I don't know about all that stuff, but those Christians, man, like God's at work in their midst. God's blessed them. I don't even know if I believe in God, but there's something about those people. And that's about the witness of the church in the world. Now this chapter ends in the most beautiful of ways. Look at how it ends. Verse 10 of Isaiah 61, it says this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Brothers and sisters, you and I, just like this final two verses, we need to respond with worship. We need to respond with worship. Notice, after all this is said and done, Isaiah is now speaking, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. This is why here at Crossroads, we place a premium on worship. Now listen, worship is not like the warm-up for the Bible teaching. It's not like, oh yeah, we do something. We worship because we were created to worship. One of the things I love about what God is doing in our midst is God is, we've been praying that God would make us the most vibrant worshiping community. And I believe that God is doing that. I believe that God is inviting all of us. See, worship, it's you're ascribing worth to God. And when you and I realize what Jesus has done for us, the only thing we can do is rejoice in God's presence. The only thing we can do is magnify Him in worship and praise. Why? Because we have received the most phenomenal gift. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel wrapped up his teaching with a call to worship. He shared that worship is the natural response when the reality of all that God has done for you really sinks in. When you get how broken you were, how much you needed rescue and transformation, and how His grace has changed everything, the more you understand this, you can't help but worship the one who made it all happen. Your praise will spring forth. 
Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. We're looking forward to coming back again next time when you'll continue to listen for the echoes of God's voice heard in the book of Isaiah. You'll find that Isaiah, like all prophets, called people out of their comfort into the vision that God had for them. Pastor Daniel will remind you that God's vision for you is always more than the easy life you choose for yourself. And he'll explain how fasting plays into this. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.